any one continuing to serve the Lord faithfully and walk after the Lord faithfully, and says the Lord is stirring on your heart as an established church to get in the church planning game. Uh, there's ways for you to do that, and if you're a young man interested in planting churches, then there's ways for you to um, join what God's doing among us in the network to be a part of um, the pushing back of what's dark in the world and the spreading of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so in 2013, when we planted Gospel Fellowship, uh, we were we were running around figuring out what church planning is and and also soliciting support from other established churches. And one of the requirements were you needed to be assessed. In other words, you needed to go before three or four pastors that would sit with you, that would ask you questions, that would ask you questions from uh, your taxes to the last time you looked at pornography to to what's uh, have you ever filed bankruptcy? It could be just a plethora of questions were asked to us. My wife and I just submitted ourselves to that process, kind of lengthy process. We submitted ourselves to it. Uh, and it was one of the most blessed experiences I've had uh, as a church planter. Um, and so we've been a, a part of this network for, for, for almost going on five years, believe it or not. Um, and part of your giving to Gospel Fellowship goes uh, to enhance the planting of healthy gospel-centered churches all over the world. Um, the kind of guy I am, I'm a driven guy, and so, um, and I just go out and do stuff. Uh, I don't wait to read the manual, I just go. And so six months into my wife and I uh, being married, uh, we were sitting down talking to a married couple about the importance of marriage. I don't know why they listened to me at six months into my own marriage, but they did. Uh, and it's very similar when it comes to church planning. Uh, from the time we planted the church, we've just been meeting with church planters, encouraging church planters, helping them navigate this rough terrain of church planting. Uh, and it's been a good, good, good endeavor for us. Um, about well, last year, November last year, I was contacted by the network in the southeast region uh, to see what it would look like for me to come on, on staff with them to help them in this assessment process uh, and praying over that, um, kicking against that a little bit, talking to the elders about that. Um, I decided to take a role with that, helping church planners go through the lengthy, rigorous path of assessment. Um, and so I will be joining uh, the, the, the network in that work um, of assessing church planters. Um, for the southeast region. If you just think about the country, southeast, that's, that's the states that I'll be working with. Um, what does this do for GF? Um, little to anything changes at all. Um, we're thankful for the leaders that we have here, the staff we have here. I'm not, I'm not, nothing changes for you guys. Um, but what I think it does for us that helps us is it helps us get a clearer picture of when the church planter arrives from D.C. Thought I'd get more help there, but y'all left me. Let's go one on. Whenever this church planter arrives, it helps us have a better assessment of what they should look like before they plant. The longer I plant a church, the more I realize if you're not called to do this, the worst thing I can do is talk to you about church planting. Uh, so when that is birthed in, in, in the heart of the church planning, 
um, it's going to help us be able to equip them well, as well as all the regional church planters that are that are that are planting on this endeavor. Um, it also helps our leadership. There's going to be some leadership opportunities. There's going to be some uh, retreats that uh, our elders get to go on. Um, that's just beautiful for rest, for pour be pouring into, for being uh, trained, so on and so forth. So there's just some real cool opportunities that Acts 29 is going to give us. So I wanted to let you guys know that. Um, be praying for me in that as I as I move to that endeavor. Amen. Let's get into the word. What time is it? Amen. That's kind of weak. I heard the ladies. I didn't hear the fellas. Man, that must have been that pursuing biblical womanhood from yesterday. One more time. What time is it? There it is. I heard the bass. There you go. Um, let's look at Galatians chapter 3 as we continue in our series in Galatians. Uh, I was so thankful Mimi kind of helped you uh, prepare for this. Galatians is rich in gospel application. Um, and it is a lot to cover. And so be patient with me as we go through this, because I believe today is going to bless you. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9 says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit you are now being perfected by the flesh did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain does he who supply the spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by the hearing with faith just as abraham believed god and it was counted to him as righteousness know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I want to talk from this topic of in Christ alone. And the three points I have is a powerful portrayal, a portrait. Um, what's your functional circumcision? I'll break that down. And number three, family matters. Family matters. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're good. Thank you that your mercy endures forever. I pray this morning would we be saturated in your grace and would we be called to live lives in light of all that you've accomplished. God, we work better from grace than work from works. So saturate us in that. I pray for all of the issues that we walked in this room with. We didn't come just with nothing going on in our lives. And some of us have come very heavy laden this morning, weighed down. Oh, God, would your truth bring light and clarity, push back the fog from before our eyes and give us decisions to see the beauty that you're offering us. God, we, we bind and come against every demonic force that seeks to steal this time from us. But would we sit under your word and by sitting under your word be transformed by your word. 
And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Point number one, a powerful fortress. Just for a little bit of background for those that may have missed, we are just walking through Galatians. And so some of the last things I'm doing is thinking about what my topic is. My wife asked me what's the topic. I said Galatians 3, verses 1 through 10. It's, we're just expositionally walking through the Bible, letting the Bible speak for the Bible, getting our points from Scripture. And so we've learned that Paul is this church planting ministry. This is what he does. He moves from place to place. He raises up elders and he plants churches. And he's in Galatia and he's seeing that these people are leaving their pagan religions, their false religions. They're walking away from that and putting faith in Jesus Christ. And he's a little bit hot with them. He's a little bit heated. And you see this all throughout his text. You'll see this again in Galatians chapter 3. He's hot because what he taught them, they left. He taught them salvation by grace alone, through Christ alone, by the Spirit alone. He taught them the gospel, and they left the gospel to try to add something to the gospel. If you want to see the Apostle Paul hot, try to justify yourself with your works. He's, he's clear in trying to teach them that it is by faith alone that you are accepted by God, not of your works. So in chapter 1, he, he elaborates that anytime you add something to the gospel, it becomes no gospel at all. In the first week, we, we asked the question, when, when, when you trusted Christ or when you heard the preaching of the gospel, what gospel did you hear and what did you believe? We went on, and he goes on to talk about Anytime someone preaches this other gospel, it says, let him be accursed. We also see in chapter 2 that he is not afraid to confront people because of this gospel. If there's something worth fighting for, church, it's the gospel. So in chapter 2, he, he goes up to the council from Acts chapter 15, and he's debating with them about the sufficiency faith alone for salvation. Also in chapter 2, he challenges Peter, another apostle, about the gospel. The gospel is worth fighting for. And then in Galatians 3, watch his tone. He says, oh foolish Galatians. The Bible said that. Oh foolish Galatians. Luther said it this way. Don't want to be a fool this time around. Don't want okay. Guess all the Luther fans done gone away. Forgot how young this church is. Help me there. 30 and up, 30 and up. But he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Or in other words, who has put you under a spell because before your eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed. You see, Paul understands that these Galatians have been walking in darkness when it comes to their pagan religion. They laid down this darkness and accepted the light and the beauty of Jesus Christ. But the problem is they have gone back into false doctrine, deception, and destruction. And the only word Paul can conclude for that is foolish Galatians. Who has put you under a spell? 
That's strong language. Denzel would say it this way, you've been tricked. You've been hoodwinked. You've been bamboozled. This is the language that Paul is trying to convey to this young church. Don't go adding stuff to the gospel. Leave the gospel alone because it is sufficient. Paul, as he's trying to lay this out for them, he then contrasts this rebuke with this. He says, for Christ was publicly portrayed before you. In other words, Paul is saying, I preached the gospel to you. He's not saying that the Galatians saw Christ crucified. This, 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 this publicly portrayed is a metaphor for how clearly Paul taught them the gospel. You see, Paul didn't go and teach them just a bunch of stuff. He labored that they would understand the gospel. He labored for them to understand that man was created in the image, in the likeness of God. He labored for them to understand, although man was, 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 was created in the image of God, he fell from, with sin. And that this failure goes deep because man cannot save himself, so he is broken, he is destitute. He's hopeless. And not just that, but that for this, this lost humanity, there's a judgment coming. And it is a righteous judgment. In other words, the wrath of God being poured out on the unrighteous or on the unjust, it's right because of sin. You see, your sin is weighty. There's judgment coming. All crimes will be punished. All infractions will be judged. I was talking to my wife last night about this, and, 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 I, and I said to her, um, you know, one group of people that really don't understand the gospel are the angels. 1 Peter 1.12 says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, talking about the prophets, when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who preach the gospel to you by your Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even the angels long to look into these things. The angels are sitting there thinking, why is God still fooling with them? When you want me to come back and, and tear up shop, didn't you send your son to die? Why are you waiting so long? The psalmist says it this way, what is man that God is mindful of us? Your humans that you created deserve judgment. Look how they live. Look how they blaspheme you. Look how they raise their fists at you. Look how they pay you no mind. And even your called out chosen ones, even the church, look at the exceeding sin within the walls of the church. What are you waiting for to execute your judgment on them? God says, another day. Look at the patience of God in salvation. Can I pause and say somebody this morning, 
God's been patient with you? God's been giving you chance after chance after failure after failure, mistake after mistake. He's been patient with you. And even when the angels don't understand, God is giving you grace that you and I don't deserve. We're hopeless without him, so what does he do? He sends Jesus. This is why he's a big deal. This is why we talk about him every week. And Jesus does for us on that cross what we can't do, and he declares us righteous. Not that you are righteous, but you've been declared righteous. You want to know where justification comes from? It comes from the cross. You want to know where acceptance comes from? It comes from the cross. And if you ever wonder, does God love me? Does God value me? Do I mean anything to him? Look at the cross. Look what he gave for you. Lord, wait, may we never tire of that. Paul says, I gave them a gospel. I gave them a portrayal of a crucified Christ. Paul is saying, I kept the cross before your eyes. I didn't preach to you a feel-good message to tickle you and make you feel good about yourself. I gave you a bloody cross. So you will never get too prideful in the way you act. You would understand that it, if it had not been for Christ dying on that cross, you would be lost. And how do I receive that? I receive that through grace, through faith. I receive that by faith. Galatians 3, verses 2 through 3 says this, let me ask you, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? He calls him a fool twice. Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the, by the flesh? What is Paul saying? How did you get saved? When you came to the cross, what did you bring? Did you bring your master's degree to the cross? You brought your ends to the cross? You brought your money to the cross? You brought your, 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 your powerful, uh, uh, savvy way of thinking and working through? You brought nothing to the cross. The cross laughs at our resume. You came if you came. You had nothing to offer him of value. And Christ dies and gives you his value in your work, in your esteem. Gives you what you don't deserve. So if you didn't start by bringing works to God, how are you going to get saved and then start bringing works and think that's enough to earn God's favor? If, if you didn't get yourself saved, how are you going to keep yourself saved? Now, this is unearthing for some of us so much that we got, that we were taught. I'm going to stay saved. No. God saved you, and then God sustains you. You don't have the ability to sustain yourself. 
if, if he drops you, you drop. God is the one that holds you in the faith. Mm. Adding circumcision doesn't do anything for us. And this is what he's trying to tell the Galatians because the Galatians are believing if I can just get circumcised, then I'll really be accepted by God. And it's easy for us to look at the Galatians and say, boy, those are some silly people. That's the problem. If they were just a little bit wiser, then they wouldn't think like that. You mean you're trying to say if you can circumcise yourself, then God would accept you? And it's easy for us to look at them 2,000 years and just 2,000 years later and think, man, they are just dumb. But I got a question for you this morning. What is your functional circumcision? In other words, if the Galatians are believing that, that man, yes, I've come to faith in Christ and, and, and my faith alone saves me. His spirit is the one that saves me and his spirit is sustaining me, but, but I got to help him out a little bit. I got to discover the real truth because that's too simple. So I'm going to add this thing called circumcision to prove to God how much I love him and how he should accept me because of that. If that's what the, the Galatians are thinking, how are you and I 2,000 years later functioning? I want to read this quote. Christians think that we are saved by the gospel, but then grow by applying biblical principles to every area of life. I'm not knocking biblical principles. But some of us believe, yes, the gospel saves us, but then I got to put these principles into practice to be accepted by God. Watch what this, this quote says. But we are not just saved by the gospel. We grow by applying the gospel to every area of life. So when I ask you this morning, what is your functional circumcision? What is that thing that you functionally go to for your own worth and value and satisfaction and acceptance? Because here's the deal. This week, you're not going to be tempted to be circumcised. You're not. You're going to be tempted in some other way. And they're usually good things. Let me give you a few examples. For some of us, it's the search for understanding. Some of us, the, the, we, 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 we believe functionally, if I can just understand, then everything will be fine. If I can just understand, then I'll have peace. I was talking to someone this week, and they were saying, Rodney, I'm just, I'm just, I, I just really need peace, and I believe if I just had clarity about what my calling is and what God was calling me to do, then I'll have peace. I'll be at rest. If I just understood that, I'll be fine. And I said, it, 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 it really doesn't work that way. You don't get peace by understanding what your calling is. No, Rodney, look at you. You're a pastor. You're, 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 you're preaching. You're walking in your calling. That doesn't give you peace. I wanted to say, have you pastored a church? Peace? Even when you are, and this is the thing I dream of doing. Even when you're doing the thing you dreamt of doing, some of y'all know because you got that job and you're going there tomorrow. Some of y'all know, even when you're doing what you've dreamt of doing, there's still this unrest in you. 
there's still this longing for something else that no amount of understanding would bring you the peace you're looking for. And I had to tell this person, peace is not something you look for. Peace is found in someone. And when you understand Jesus has done for you what you can't do, and he takes you as is, and he takes you with your mess, and he takes you with your hang-up, and he takes you with your past, and he accepts you as a son and a daughter. That reality changes everything. Because then even when I don't get the dream position, I'm still a son. I'm still his. And he's not leaving me. Even the best endeavors still leaves us longing. Peace doesn't come from understanding. Peace also don't come, some of y'all know this, from careers or education. I, I know this too. Ruth knows this. Peace don't come from edification. You can have more degrees than a thermometer. Your whole wall can be plastered with degrees, and you can tell the story. But I started in high school, and, and I got my AA. And I got, you, you, you can just go on and on and on. You, you don't get full acceptance from there. Some of y'all know this because you got degrees, but you didn't get the job you had the degree for. The career, you... I'll say it again, this, this, this whole concept that if I can just get this position, if, if I can just climb to this place in my organization, when I see how people respect him or her, if I was in that position, then I'll command that kind of respect from people. But then when you get there and you understand the weight of leadership is sometimes heavier than the weight of following, and you understand the same way you talked about them is the same way somebody else now is talking about you, if you find, man, this is, this is not what I wanted. I don't feel at peace with this. I'm not accepted by these people, regardless of how talented I am. Beloved, you ain't never going to be accepted by everybody. That's what makes friendship critical. And when you get a friend, hold on to them, because they hard to come by. That was for free. And with that career, you talk about money, and some of you think, man, if I can just get to six figures, that's it. I just get to, now I want 99,000. If I can just get 100,000, that's it, I'm good. Beloved, y'all know this. I don't even have to teach this. Y'all know this. The gospel reminds us that there's not a separation between our careers and our faith. Because we need to see all of life as worship and stewardship and discipleship and faith. So when I go on the job, I'm not looking for that job to validate me. I'm not looking for my supervisor just to utter the words that gets me the position I want. The words have already been uttered. This is my beloved son, daughter whom I'm pleased. It is his words that bring us complete validation, not what somebody else says. That piece of paper won't do it either. 
another thing that I think we funky look for. I want to be careful how I phrase this. The idea of marriage. Notice I didn't say marriage. I want everybody in the room to be present. The idea of marriage. Because whether you are single, whether you are engaged, whether you are married, whether you are divorced, whether you are widowed, I'm talking to you about this idea of marriage. And here's what our culture tries to lead to us. If, if, if we can just get the marriage that we want, then I'll be at peace. I'll be good. I'll be accepted. I'll be a real Christian when I get the marriage I want. And if I don't have the marriage I want, then I must not be. Uh, your, 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 your Christianity is not based on your marital status. Even for my singles, this, this, this longing, this obsession that says, I'm incomplete now, but I'm working on it. I got to make myself more marketable. I have to look a little bit more hard, harder with, more, more precision. No, it doesn't, your, your acceptance, your validation doesn't come through that. This, this idea that if, if, if our marriage was where, or if I've lost my marriage, if I could just get my marriage back, or, or if I lost the, the person I was married to, then, then my life is utterly over. gospel reminds us, for those of us in marriages, marriage is a service industry job. So much of marriage is not about you anyway. Hello, somebody. Hold on, Kai, don't you say hello to somebody that loud. Hold on, wait a minute. I ain't supposed to hear you say that now. Hello, somebody. My daughter's birthday is tomorrow. And we were shopping, and I bought her a shirt that says, um, fast never lasts. Fast never lasts. And, and I, I, I got, she came in this morning and gave me a hug for, for the shirt. And, and so we're talking. I said, do you know why I bought you that shirt? And she said, no, Daddy, why? Because I, I, I want you to understand that fast never lasts. Last. There are all kind of shortcuts that you'll be tempted to take throughout life. And I want to remind you that that's not going to last. Like, it's not those that, that, that necessarily always get there the quickest that has the most success. That, that what I want you to understand is the hand of the diligent prosper. It is the, it, it, it's the idea of getting up every day and doing the right thing over and over again. That's the thing that's going to bring a lasting impact in your life, right? I thought that was a good daddy moment. But she walked away, and I'm just looking over my message this morning. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. I didn't get rid of God. I gave her tryhardus. You see, I, I, I told her that if she's just faithful, you just do the right thing, you'll get there. You'll build this life that, that is pristine and that, and, and that lasts. And some of y'all are thinking, Rodney, you're a father. What else are you supposed to tell her? I'm supposed to give her the gospel. Because this life is fleeting. So if I cast her up and, and, and tap her, put all of her faith and all of her hope and all of her, her energy in, in what she can achieve and the life she can build, even though that's what I want for her, I have to come back and tell her, wait a minute, sweetie. No. First of all, you are already 
lasting. Because you confessed him as Lord. And so you will last forever. And when daddy dies, you will last forever. And when mama passes, you will last forever. You see, I need to root her in something that is more solid than the ups and downs of life. You see, I need to root her in understanding that, you know what, it's not that you're so good, sweetie. As a matter of fact, you ain't good enough. See, the way you talk to Zion, you ain't good enough. The way you treated your brother, you ain't good enough. No, no, you are wretched. You are a sinner that is in desperate need of saving. And so as you look at what Christ has done, now build your life in light of that. So when the degree comes, and if it doesn't come, you're still beloved. And when you succeed and you don't succeed, and if you get married or you never get married, you're still beloved. And you know what? Because of the gospel, you're not just beloved by God. You're beloved by dad. You see, in real life and in real time, we need to be the reflection of the gospel to our children. Parenting is another way if we didn't get to that slide yet. For the parents in the room, you got to remember, you can't save your children. You can do all you can, but you can't save them. You can read books on parenting until your nose bleeds. Can't save them. You can have three-hour quiet times every evening. You can't save them. They can have more Bible books on their shelf than anything else. All you can do is be an example. God saves with words for parents. So why do we do that, Rodney? Why do I have books on myself that point my children to Jesus? Why am I faithfully bringing them into the house of God? Why am I doing and exercising discipline? Well, it's because that's the life God called us to live. So we don't do those things thinking that those things will save our kids because God saves. But we do those things out of obedience and love for the God that saved us. And we pray with fervor, Lord, save my children. Amen? Our goal is not to raise little morally happy, successful children so well together. Hope is that our children never need advice from everybody because they got all they needed from us. We raise our children dependent on God. Our goal is not just happy children, it's children whose hearts are transformed by the gospel. Amen. Lastly, and I'm done, telling a different story, or actually, family matters. Family matters. 30 and up, even you acres. 30 and up. Anybody? Okay, just checking. Family Matters was a show that started in the late 80s, early 90s. A guy named Stephen Q. Urkel, his little cute family, and the next-door neighbor, Stephen Q. Urkel. He was the epitome of a nerd, thick glasses, high suspenders, high waters, never paid his water bill, just high waters all the time. And the, the, the whole deal was is he was annoying. And, and the person they had the most beef with was, his fa- was, was the father, Carl Winslow. And so... Carl and Steve would butt heads all the time. 
the father and the outsider were butt heads all the time. And this is what the Judaizers are painting in Galatians, that Father Abraham and these Gentile Christians should be butting heads all the time. Why are they butting heads? Because they won't get circumcised. They're trying to convince them that the reason you're not fully in the family of God is because of this idea of circumcision. So they would probably quote scriptures like Genesis 17 to them. And in Genesis 17, verse 10, it says, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And they would raise that text up and they would say, Can't you see this? Every male needs to be circumcised. This is why you can't be in the family. Stephen Q. Urkel, get out of my house. You can't get in. But I love what Paul does. Paul goes back to the thing they are arguing and he proves otherwise. Here's what Paul shows them. Paul quotes, instead of quoting Genesis 17, Paul quotes Genesis 15, verse 6, that says this, and he believed the Lord. He is talking about Abraham. And Abraham believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham trusted, believed God, and that's how he got his righteousness. Before Genesis 17, there's Genesis 15. Here, he is putting faith in God. Here, he's doing some work out of that. The, the faith comes before the work. In this book, I'm going to preach to you about how we should live, but, but before I get to the work, I got to talk to you about the faith. You see, before this work, there, there was shown through Abraham a demonstration of his faith that he was declared righteous. Faith precedes works. But not just Abraham. For Noah, faith precedes works, precedes works. For Jacob, faith came before works. For David, for Ruth, for Esther, faith precedes, precedes works. Your most saved relative, which was my grandmother, for, 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 for grandma, faith precedes works. For your favorite preacher, for your saved mama, faith must precede works. For the greatest theologian ever, faith comes first. So we can't be caught up and tell God how good we were in our works. He's already declared you righteous by faith. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Actually, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. We want to offer prayer for anybody that wants it. This morning, where this message hits me personally is I am not justified because I'm your pastor. I'm not justified from my preaching. I'm not justified by my works, from my studies, 
I'm justified. I stand here today because of Christ's finished work. What he's done for us. And so this morning, wherever everyone's standing, wherever you're standing this morning as you stand, Maybe this morning, as I talk about functional circumcision, maybe this morning somebody needs to put down the knife. Needs to stop trying to earn something that is a free gift. We want to pray for you this morning. If that's you and you need prayer for any reason, we're going to ask that you come. Let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. Prayer team, people come. Trust that the Spirit of God is moving, convicting. If that's you, come.